Please pray with me. May the good news come to us, gracious God, not just in words, but in the, in the transforming power of your spirit. In the name of Christ, amen. It was a mean, dirty trick, for sure. In our gospel lesson, Jesus tells a parable about a farmer who planted wheat. And then during the night, an enemy sneaked over and sowed weeds in the wheat field. When the plants started to come up, the workers noticed the weeds. They reported to the farmer, Sir, didn't you sow good wheat in that field? Now it's full of weeds. The farmer immediately realized what has happened and replied, that stuff didn't grow by itself. It's the work of the enemy. The farmers, the workers asked the farmer, shall we go pull out the weeds? If you've ever weeded a garden, you would think the answer to that is obviously yes. But the farmer had a surprise for the, for the workers. He understood something that they didn't know. And he said, no, wait, let them grow together. Because if you pull up the weeds, you'll pull the wheat up too, and it'll be wasted. So wait for the harvest. And at that time, when the plants are mature, we can pull out the weeds and get rid of them. Then we can harvest the wheat. This is not a familiar situation today. But for those who heard Jesus' parable originally, it would have been understood. Because at that uh, ancient time, sowing weeds in somebody else's field was actually a known crime, and there were penalties in Roman law for it. The plant that the enemy sowed was probably darnel, which has been called wheat's evil twin, because when, the, when it's young, it looks exactly like wheat. And by the time the plants are big enough to tell the difference, the roots of the darnel are so entangled with the roots of the wheat that you can't pull out the weeds without damaging the wheat. So the farmer says, be patient. Let them grow together. When the time comes at the harvest, we'll sort them out and make everything right. With all we see around us, I don't think I have to convince you that evil is real. Jesus' parable paints a powerful picture of how evil is very subtle and is often all tangled up with good, with both feeding from the same soil. Our natural urge is to jump in, jump in and fix things, pull it out. But that can do more harm than good. Hmm. 
the national war on drugs has been around since the Nixon administration when I was a young man. It has continued through many administrations. I need to pause for a minute. drugs has been around for many administrations and finally seems, seems to be winding down. Now you would think that stopping the sale and use of dangerous drugs would be a worthy goal. Who could object to that? But the way the war on drugs has been carried out has produced a huge illicit market for drugs. It is criminalized people who suffer from addiction, and the laws have been enforced with obvious racial bias. Thus, the parable cautions us against being too quick with sweeping interventions against evil, and urges us to consider, consider unintended consequences. The parable also includes a promise the harvest in the story represents the final judgment in which God will get rid of all causes of sin and all evildoers. So God intends to solve the problem of evil in our world once and for all. And in the light of that promise, we can leave the final judgment of who is good and who is evil to God. Maybe instead of trying to pull the weeds, we can focus on being the wheat. As an example, Pastor Jim Somerville tells how a church he served wanted to have a ministry to a local trailer park where there were clearly a lot of evil influences. Some members wanted to clean up the area first to pressure the authorities to go after the drug dealers and the domestic abusers, to crack down on deadbeat dads, to, to confiscate illegal weapons. They wanted to pull out all the weeds, but other members cautioned that an approach like that could hurt innocent people. So they decided on a different approach. They built a basketball court. They spent time with kids and parents and single people and made friends. They helped with repair projects. They told Bible stories and taught songs about Jesus. They just tried hard to be the wheat or to be, to use our more familiar phrase, to be the church. After two, years of going to, after two years of going to the trailer park every Saturday for this ministry, one day the pastor received a brief text. Adriana wants to be baptized. Adriana, 
She was the kid who had been the most resistant to the church's ministry, refusing to participate and mocking what they were trying to do. They hadn't tried to fix her, they just tried to show the love of Christ. And now she wanted to be part of the wheat. Jesus' explanation of the parable divides people into the children of the kingdom and the children of the evil one. But is the distinction between good and evil people, wheat and weeds, all that clear cut? Jesus must have been painting with a broad brush, simplifying to make a point. For he was surely aware that all of us are a mixed bag. After all, among Jesus' own disciples, one betrayed him, one denied him, and the, and the others hightailed it when he most needed their support. Thus, the principle of evil being mixed in with good also applies to people, to ourselves. Who among us has not looked back with regret at things we've done or said that we feel were out of character, that were hurtful despite our good intentions? Pastor Joanna Adams offers a lighthearted example of someone who had a saintly reputation but who showed her dark side. A man was in his car at a red light waiting for it to change. But he became distracted and when it did change, he just sat there. This would never happen to me. And when the man's car didn't move, a woman in a car behind him started honking her horn more insistently as the seconds ticked by. And as the light turned to yellow, our guy suddenly came to and sped off, leaving the woman behind him to wait at the next red light. By this time, she was banging on the steering wheel and unleashing a profane rant, calling him names that I won't repeat here. Then a police officer uh, came to her window and said, uh, Lady, you're going to have to come down to the station. There she was photographed and fingerprinted and placed in a holding area. Several hours later, the officer came back to her and said, uh, You're free to go. Sorry for the mistake. When you were honking and yelling and cursing out there, I couldn't help noticing your bumper stickers that said, follow me to church, and what would Jesus do? I thought the car must be stolen. And just as Jesus was patient with his disciples' failures, he's patient with us, accepting us, forgiving us, and putting us to the work of his kingdom in all our brokenness. So we can be patient with ourselves, not thinking we have to fix ourselves right away, but trusting God to work in our lives and make us more like Jesus. And we can be patient with others, not trying to fix them, 
but showing them the love of Christ. The promise of our parable that God will someday rid the world of evil once for all goes right along with Paul's assurance in the reading from Romans that God will redeem and restore the entire creation, freeing the world from corruption and bringing it into the glorious freedom of the children of God. What keeps me going in this challenging time is trusting in that promise, God's promise to someday make everything right. That and two other points of faith that support it. One is believing that Jesus really did come back from the dead, that Christ is risen indeed. The resurrection assures us that evil will not have the last word. It's a down payment on God's final victory over evil. The other thing that keeps me going is the faith that God's promise can be trusted for the future because God is at work right here, right now. Despite all the bad stuff that's happening, I see signs of God's presence every day, and I see it in people. Last winter, I was wheeling groceries to my car, which was parked some distance from the entrance to Meyer. When I was almost to my car, I noticed a woman who was hurrying and seemed to be trying to catch up with me and get my attention. When she got to where I was, she gave me the glove that I had dropped near the store. She wasn't parked anywhere near me, but she walked a couple of hundred extra feet to make sure I didn't lose my glove. She was doing the work of God, whether she thought about it that way or not. Such caring and generous acts by people are signs for me that God is here and at work. Skeptics might ask if it makes sense to believe this vision of God's promise for the future in view of everything that's going on. Can I prove it? No. But I'll stake my life on it. 